Hey guys, I'm Tamara Melton. And I'm Deanna Bellany. We are the co-founders of Diversify Dietetics, a nonprofit community dedicated to increasing the racial and ethnic diversity in the field of nutrition and dietetics. Welcome to Feed Me the Facts. Hey guys, it's Tamara. So before we start today's show, I wanted to remind you of a couple of things at the time of this recording. Um, we are a couple months out from the Food and Nutrition Conference and Expo in Philadelphia in October. So wanted to remind you, if you are going, we will be hosting our second annual DD Meetup fundraiser. And we're hoping that we can see a lot of you from the Diversified Dietetics community there. So don't forget to go onto our website and click on the link. It's right there on the home page that you can register for that event. So just had to put that plug in there. Um, early bird tickets end September the 13th. So they're on sale through then. Um, so please get your tickets before then. We sold out last year. So you don't want to be on that list of folks who are emailing us asking, can you get in a couple days before? We will probably be sold out by then. So get your tickets today. So today's guest is really exciting to me. I really enjoyed this conversation I had um, with Matt Frakes. And if you read our blog, you know from our Audience Spotlight series that Matt was on there. And when I read Matt's Audience Spotlight post, I just really wanted to talk to him a bit more, especially about overcoming adversity. And I won't get into too much about what Matt's background is like, but let me just say, if you are somebody who is looking at where you are in the stream of getting your uh, education in dietetics and nutrition or in your profession, in our profession, in your person of color, and you're thinking, I don't know, like your GPA is not high enough, high enough or you know, how can you pass the RDN exam or you failed the RDN exam and didn't pass it and are taking it one or two or three times um, or you're in your profession, you're not quite sure where you wanna go in the profession, this, you're, you're gonna come from this actual episode thinking you're going to get a pump from it. Let me tell you, that's why I wanted to have Matt on. I had so much fun talking to him. Um, he really is great and inspiring. And his story of overcoming adversities is one that is sure to inspire you. Take a listen. So Matt, thank you so much for being on our Feed Me the Facts podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you. So the reason why I want to let everybody know, the reason why I wanted to have Matt on is that you were, you actually tagged us in one of your posts or maybe mm -hmm. a few. Um, and I love when people do that, hashtag diversify dietetics, because then we start to find more dietitians of color who are out there. And mm -hmm. so I started following, I was like, oh no, can you please be an already in spotlight, which you graciously agreed to. But then once I read your story, I was like, oh no, you got to be on the podcast because it was like, <laughs> how humbled. rare is it? I am humbled. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. How rare is it that we have a man who is a dietitian of color who is getting his PhD? Um, and I, I think that there, your story is going to be inspiring to other people. I know when I read it, I was inspired that day when I read it and beyond that. And so um, I really wanted to get in here and to get to know more about you and your, your whole pathway and everything. So we'll just jump right into it and uh, ask you, uh, where are you from and how did you get interested in dietetics? Uh, so I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, um, where kind of my pathway to dietetics is kind of a little bit different. So in high school, um, I, was, I was overweight as a kid all the way into my sophomore year of high school. And there was a 
class in particular from uh, Miss Kowalski, uh, what we called her Mama Walski um, back then, uh, which was my favorite class. It was more so like home, home economics per se, uh, where we just did nothing but just cooking that class and everything as well. So I figured that, you know, that's kind of the only thing I'm good in uh, back then and back in school. So we weren't allowed bringing, you know, anything lower than a B at home, you know, um, with my parents and everything. But at the same time, uh, I feel like food and that was the only thing I was good at, especially me being overweight because I love eating and everything too. So <laughs> I was kind of trying to figure out a pathway to kind of go into in uh, college, especially with uh, playing football and everything as well. So they didn't have culinary arts at the school that I got into. So when I went to Ohio University, I seen the next best thing that was, you know, related to food. And I seen uh, nutrition uh, with food science. And I later transferred that over to dietetics. So that's kind of how I got into that. So since there wasn't culinary arts, I said, okay, let me go ahead with dietetics. And I guess the science and after that first quarter, of getting my life together, um, everything kind of, you know, fell into place and I started falling in love with it. So that's kind of how I got into dietetics. And then I said, okay, I love sports, I love food, I love nutrition, I love the science behind it and the research behind it. So let me just go ahead and combine the two. So that's where sports nutrition, uh, the pathway of sports nutrition came about. I, that, that's funny. I went to, I was actually accepted to culinary art school first. Okay. Um, but did not go. <laughs> I went to yeah. but I did the same thing too because I love food and still do. Many of us do, right? Who are in right, right. Well, so, um, so was how was undergrad for you? Was it an easy experience? With we have heavy sciences in our discipline, so how did that go for you? Oh man, personally and academically, it was definitely a challenge. So um, I grew up in a lower middle class, uh, socioeconomic class, and everything. So just even just the environment and people that I'm around and everything was kind of you know, uh, a culture shock, you can, uh, you can kind of say. So um, I'll say like, you know, that first quarter, literally at OU, I got like a 1.9 <laughs> and I had other personal situations I was trying to, you know, uh, adjust to and everything as well. So after that um, and having that, and I was placed on academic probation, I was like, no, I got to make a change. And then everybody's kind of counting on me to make sure that, you know, I get myself together and, I was, and I'm going to be the first one to graduate, go to, you know, go to, um, um, a four-year university graduate and then also you know get my bachelor's and everything and I was and I'm the only one with a master's and um, get a PhD as well in my immediate family I have cousins and everything that achieved that but you know we didn't grow up together um, I only seen them at you know the typical Christmas Thanksgiving uh, family reunions and everything so um, but as far as academic that was a challenge there and then also um, going back to just even personally, just getting adjusted to, you know, the mindset of being, you know, a scholar and everything as well, and actually getting, you know, transition into that level of education. Um, that was a high university and everything as well. And then also later in my career, my academic career, just getting adjusted to it. So the first quarter was bad. After that, I say, you know, I grinded it out, figured it out, and just made it happen. So you have... A lot. You had a lot riding on you just to be that first person in your family. Yes. Who, and your family is looking up at you to to be that first person that. And of course, little. I don't know if you have little siblings or cousins are looking at you as well. So that came yes. a lot. So I have a big family, definitely. <laughs> okay, all those people. So, yeah, that is, um, so 1.9 GPA is hard to overcome uh -huh. if you want to. 
I tell people the first, and I used to work in admissions. Yes. Little secret, some people may not know. Um, we would look at the first semester of freshman year to see if a student would get into a program three years later. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, as you've described, the first semester of freshman year, people are just getting used to being in school, to college. Right. So, um, and don't throw in anything personal happening. So how did you overcome that to come back from a 1.9 GPA to be able to get to the point to where you could, you know, be in the nutrition program and be successful and also get into graduate school? Oh, man. Um, it was, you know, a, a lot of soul searching, truth be told, and also praying and everything, too, to kind of figure out, you know, what I need to do. Uh, to overcome everything. And then, you know, um, I have a lot of mentors around me and then talking to my father, uh, my dad and everything as well. And, you know, just uh, the instructors that I had around me too, you know, they were always honest with me. So I had a great deal as far as mentors, you know, that seen that and I'm a very personal person. So they kind of heard my story and, you know, kind of seeing what I was going through at that time and everything as well. And, you know, they worked with me and they also, you know, was completely 100% honest with me about everything. You know, that, you know, Mr. French, you're putting yourself in these positions. Um, in order for you to get out of these positions, you have to put in the work and you have to figure out why you're here. So um, after, you know, working through all that stuff, that's kind of where I figured out, you know, I got to, I kind of stop making excuses. It's, you know, even though I feel like I wasn't academically prepared to get into it. At the same time, you know, it's all up to me as far as what's going to happen in my future. So um, that's when, you know, I put an extra time to talking to uh, the professors, even it was outside as far as um, practicing everything as well, contacting everybody, um, whoever I was doing whatever I needed to do at that time, uh, just so I can make sure I get my grades up. And I retook, um, actually, one of the courses that I did horrible in was the introduction of a food nutrition course. Um, Very the very first one, Matt? Yes, the very first one. Wow. Yes, no no lie. That was the very first one. Like when I tell you that it was an adjustment, it was an adjustment. And I was not used at all whatsoever to having to study, putting that time to study to retain the information and everything. And it was just like, man. Yeah. Um, so, but after that, you know, I have a 3.9 now, you know, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and in graduate school, I, you know, barely had, I probably had one or two Bs, but after that, you know, it was, it's, you know, it just took me time to catch one. So after that first semester, I, you know, like I said, figured it out and just putting in extra time and effort to ensure that I got with the instructors, talk to them, see what I need to do to be successful in that class and just, you know, just rose up to the challenge. So. Did you seek out those mentors or did they Mind you, did you have to, I know you said your dad, but he's your dad, right? So your, dad, yes. your dad's going to be your mentor, right? But yes. those other mentors, did you have to, you know, make a, a, a point to go up to your professors and say, hey, I need a little bit more help here. I have questions. How'd that work? Oh, absolutely. I had to step outside of my comfort zone. Um, obviously, it's so much easier to, you know, to fall into a funk and just, you know, be like, oh, man, my grades are bad, you know, be depressed and sad and whatnot. Um, or fall into other situations because you're doing so horrible in school. But yeah, I, I made it to a point to where I ensured that if it's something I did not get or understand whatsoever, after class, if I had time, I talked to that professor. Or um, I emailed them and set up time for me to even walk, uh, work with them whenever their office hours was or when I could personally come in um, because they knew I was involved in athletics as well too. So um, for a couple of years. So it, it took me to you know, make initiative. And they seen that since I've made that initiative, 
um, that was one thing that, you know, okay, he's a prom might be a promising individual. Maybe it's worth my time to speak to the student. <laughs> so, well, that's me personally. That's how I kind of felt that I see in that. So, um, you know, it, it, it just takes the individual to step outside the comfort zone and for me to actually see who that instructor was and how they, you know, spoke with me and if they were willing to communicate with me, if I was able to form a relationship with mentee and mentor. So um, at the end of it, but at the end of the day, they wouldn't have known to help me or what else, to, you know, to give me those obstacles or even take time to, unless it took me to step outside of my comfort zone to speak with them on, okay, what am I having troubles with? What am I not understanding? Um, is there other resources that I need to look into to, to get this information? And what do I need to do to make sure I retain the information? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've talked to some students before who say, you know, I, you know, they should come to me and they should, you know, it's their job to come to me. It's their job to teach students. Um, exactly. It's not necessarily their job to, you know, they have office hours, but students are to use those. And, and some students think is, you know, the students are, are brown nosing or whatever if they stay after to ask questions, but that does let your professors know that you are trying and that it gives them a more, they, they, if they're a good teacher, they're going to teach to, to what they know your abilities are, but if they don't know you and what your challenges are, and if you just are silent and you just act like everything's okay, they don't even know how to help you. So, exactly, you know, talking to them is important. Exactly, and as a graduate instructor now, I completely understand um, when, because I teach a hundred students now, um, and that's exactly in the same food nutrition course, the introduction course, um, you know, that I had trouble in my freshman year. Isn't so, that great? That's, yeah. that's the kind of thing I like to hear. That's what I like to tell people. You see how that works out. Just because you didn't even, I mean, yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but yes, just seeing that. So as an instructor now, you know, I, I take value in, you know, the students that I don't have a special, you know, case or, um, you know, show that uh, favoritism to any of those students that, you know, come up to me. But I'm not going to know to help you. Yes, I'm busy and everything, but at the same time that I want to make sure that you're successful. Um, that's why I took on to be an instructor. So whatever I need to do, if, if you're confused about something, I'm not going to know about it. If you're very reflected, I have a hundred, I have 99 other students. That I got to, you know, um, uh, show an assessment and evaluation of how, how they're doing in class too. If you're not going to, you know, if, if you have a horrible grade and your grade reflects horribly, I, I can't, take out the time of me having the other 99 students to reach out to you. Yes, I'm going to show an evaluation of that immediate assignment, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult with me being not only a graduate instructor, but also a sports dietitian for athletics as well. And then also me taking care of my stuff for my doctoral program to reach out to every single last one of those students that are doing some type, maybe they make a, a not so good grade in this assignment, what's going on? I can't do that. It's up to you to do that, to reach out to me, to for me to see, okay, what do I need to do to help you succeed? But other than that, it's, it, the instructor also has so much other things on the plate that they're taking care of as well. So you have to be a responsible student at the end of the day and notify them and let them know, okay, what is it that I'm not getting? What do I need to do to improve my grade? So, mm -hmm. amen to all of that. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, so you got through school, got through your, um, did your internship 
also at the same university. Yes, this is program. Okay. And um, what job did you have as a dietitian? Um, and what, did you, what were you interested in um, and started working in? Man, what job did, didn't I have? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so it actually took me, so the internship, the biggest plus about the, about the internship, yes, we can debate that, you know, it's horrible that we're not, you know, getting paid at the same time we're actually paying to right. uh, be in the internship. Yes. Okay. Well, that's another, that's another topic that we can get into later on. But um, the, the great thing about the internship is, is that, you know, going through all those rotation hours is figuring out, okay, what you think you'll be good in and what you think in the later um, you can work towards that you want to experience it. People got to start, you know, getting into the mindset that the first opportunity that comes about is my last opportunity. Like that's, that's, that's not the case. You have to figure out, okay, even if it's something that is a position that's not ideal at the time, uh, because your mind is towards your long-term goal of being here, it's still okay to have this experience here. You know, you got to work with whatever blessings, opportunities kind of, you know, God placed before you. So my first position was as a nutrition and physical education coordinator with Children Hunger Alliance uh, back in Columbus. So I was responsible for the Ohio Healthy Program um, training, you know, um, uh, training, educating child care providers on the transition to meet the criteria uh, to serve and also educate the children that they're taking care of healthier foods and physical activity practices. Um, I did that for, you know, a few months and then I seen that, you know, that's working in solely community because of financial reasons. Um, that's not my fourth. That's not where I want to be at. Cause I also had a, a financial goal as well that I want to kind of reach to, uh, to set me up and set my family up in the ladder. Um, and then, so the next position that I had after that, um, I worked as a, a nutrition program coordinator for Lifetime Fitness in the Dublin Club, in the Dublin Club, where I was the sole registered dietitian as well as also the manager. So I was able to develop that nutrition program there, and um, and as well as the leading registered dietitian for the um, clients and also you know the, the general public members that was part of that you know facility at the time. Um, and now at the same time, I started my LLC because I needed to get some type of sports nutrition. So I was blessed enough to, um, you know, coordinate with 11 Athletics, which is a performance facility that worked with professional collegiate and then also general members as well. It's a great facility in Columbus, Ohio, where um, whoever had family that was in Columbus, if they're originally from Columbus, you know, in the off season, they'll come back and train there. And I was around some brilliant people that was in the strength conditioning, personal training, um, and also rehabilitation services when it came to uh, professional collegiate athletes at the time as well. So it was just mind blowing that I was even around those people. And I got so much better as a practitioner just being around them. Um, so that took me to start my own LLC, uh, Superior Nutrition Performance. So I did that on the side after I got off work uh, with the other uh, facilities of Lifetime Fitness and then also um, as a at Children Hunger Alliance as well. So this was, my day was super long because at the end of the day, I still went over there to take care of those athletes and take care of those members as well too. And then um, transitioning out from Lifetime Fitness, I was also 
a clinical dietitian, an outpatient dietitian for Mary Ten Hospital. So I worked that for a few months until I came to um, uh, the University of Mississippi, where I found that I got the graduate citizenship to become a sports dietitian, as well as for my PhD to be uh, covered as well. Um, and it was an opportunity to get my PhD and be around one of my current mentor here that is a great individual in the field too. So I worked as a clinical dietitian for a few months and then that's when I moved here, um, going sol solely with the team education atmosphere um, and working in a team setting um, in sports nutrition, as well as also, you know, handling my PhD and now also trying to figure out if it's the route that I want to go to being in um, academia or, you know, as a sports dietitian. So it's just whatever opportunity presents itself and, you know, whatever God wants me to go towards, but I'm making sure that I'm getting experiences in both avenues so that at the end of the day, you know, whatever opportunity comes about, I'm ready for it and I'm, you know, efficient in it as well. So. Is the campus where you're at now pretty diverse where you're teaching and getting your PhD? And they're working on it, like mostly, okay. um, yeah, like most universities, they're working on it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of international students as well. And there's, uh, um, like most universities, they're trying to implement a diversity program too. They're trying to get more. Um, but as far as, you know, the ratio when it comes to more so uh, the majority when it comes to um, the Caucasian students as opposed to um, your diverse students, uh, you, obviously the ratio was much more compared to, you know, um, those with an ethnic background. So that's more, well, that's the, the easiest way I can say it. <laughs> so. Right. Okay. so so we'll just say, not that diverse. I wasn't setting you up for the okie doke. I'm just trying to ask you a <laughs> no, question. No. So here's a question Good. I have for ask you. Uh, <laughs> you're like, hold up, don't trip me up. No, I'm not. Here's, here's what I'm setting up for. Um, and you mentioned, you know, teaching your class with your students. Mm -hmm. I think that you being in a classroom as a black man, do you think you being in a classroom for any students who, all the students who are in there, how, how do you think that that affects your students um, versus if somebody was in there who was not you standing up in front of them and teaching? Honestly, you know what, uh, sometimes, and that's just like even when the field, with the field now that we're in. Um, I sometimes got to battle that, you know, imposter syndrome where I'm like, you know, I don't deserve to be here or, you know, there, there may be, there may be looking at me some type of way because of, because of me being a black male teaching this course and they're not typically used to seeing that. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, I, I do face those personally, as far as, you know, me with my interpersonal idea and mindset as far as like who I'm teaching and you know the majority of who I'm teaching are mostly um white females uh but at the end of the day you know once they I'm I shouldn't you know make an assumption but the way I see it as is that I'm the expert here um and you're going to know that I care for what you do in your career and also what you do as a student so at the end of the day, you have no choice, no choice but to respect me and also to see that I have my best interest in your future and your career. So at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter as far as the color of my skin. You should just look at, you know, my experience, my expertise and how I'm instructing you and then my level of care, of how you succeed as a student and also as a professional and a later. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. And, and that imposter syndrome does affect a lot of us in the different roles that we're in just because of 
could be what we feel ourselves and also what what people may say to us right right for any students that you have who who are of color do you think that them seeing you up in front of the classroom makes a difference to them i i would hope so i mean so that they, they can you know see um especially at that time too where you know i mostly have mostly freshmen and sophomores and some students that are going into nursing um and in other and medical fields or you know some of them actually i have more students that are not in a dietetic um route as opposed to you know who are in a dietetic route when i have 100 students so um yeah i, I will hope that you know the having the students that I have that, you know, are like me, you know, they kind of see like, yeah, okay, we can see and excel in these positions in this field and everything. And then, you know, maybe this is an opportunity I never thought that could be um, something that is I can work towards or I can even be in, but seeing, you know, Mr. Frakes up there and hopefully one day it's Dr. Frakes. So we'll, we'll see here soon. But see, Mr. <laughs> see, seeing Mr. Frakes up there, <laughs> yeah, seeing Mr. Frakes up there, you know, wow, that's inspiring. Uh, I, you know, I just can't believe, you know, this, this seeing more, you know, black people, even academia in general, um, you know, is inspiring for them to, you know, make sure they raise, rise to the occasion and make sure they fill those same shoes and, um, and keep paying it forward to the next students of color that will be in, in these, uh, larger universities as well. I agree. I think that, um. I know for me, the, the university I teach at here in Atlanta is very diverse. Mm -hmm. We graduate the most African-American students in the country. Okay. Minority majority. Um, but even with that, um, students will say, just seeing you in front of the class, up in the classroom, because still a lot of the professors still aren't. See, the faculty isn't as diverse as mm -hmm. body necessarily. We're more diverse, but not as, as diverse. So, so that does make a difference. So, um, so it's great to have. That's why I said we wanted to have you on the podcast because just when I saw him, I'm like, he is unicorn in and of himself, just, you know, being in academia and working in sports nutrition, even, um, and, and everything that, that you're doing. So you've had a lot of obstacles and we all do, but it seems like you met you, 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 and you work in sports. So this, I think this, this goes along with being an athlete, mm -hmm. definitely in your mind, keep yourself motivated despite obstacles. What would you say to anybody who, if they are a student who's like who you were, who got a 1.9 and they failed the course in their major and they're trying to decide, is this what I want to do or any other obstacles that they might come up against along their educational pathway or if they're professional, what kind of advice, you know, put on your coach hat for me now. <laughs> mm -hmm. What kind of advice would you give to somebody if they're kind of feeling like, I don't know if this is for me because it's just too many things I have to overcome. You gotta, you have to reign resilient. Um, so there, there's always going to be obstacles and challenges within your lifetime, you know, that people are not going to have a hand except for you to make a decision um, on whether you're going to succeed or not. So, I understand it might be hard right now, but as far as uh, you got to look at this as a learning experience, you don't take your failures as something that, okay, yeah, I failed, my life is over. You never do that. You take failures as learning experiences. It can be a learning experience to where, okay, what you need to work on and improve on, or it can be a learning experience of maybe this may be another route that I need to look towards to, because that's what I'm going to be successful in. Um, I feel like a lot of times, you know, individuals maybe 
take failure and they just run with the failure and go into that black cloud and just the failure just over consumes them. But at the end of the day, they, you can't look at failure as something that is you. You have to look at the failure as a learning experience. It's not who you are. It's just a learning experience that you need to work on and figure out and do some reflection on what you need to improve on to so that way you are successful. Because I know we glorify the successes of everybody, especially with social media and everything today. But you have to remember that there's always going to be a thousand failures as opposed to that one success. Yeah, we see that one success, but you got to remember what's the back end of the failures that's under that mountain that, you know, that got me to that success. How did I get successful? It's going to be those failures, learning from those failures to achieve that success. Very true. There's it, especially in the age of social media where people can edit what you see. You don't mm-hmm. see what they had to do to get there. Um, and there's, there's often so much behind that. One thing that stood out to me about you, Matt, is that you posted and were very transparent on a post that you had. Um, on your account about um, your ACT score. And I thought that was interesting. You know, you didn't Ooh. have the highest score out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had a 15. I'm going to put that out there. Yeah, I had a 15 <laughs> on my ACT score. <laughs> but obviously that, that, didn't, <laughs> that, that did not reflect who I am. <laughs> right. That's the thing. Those, those, those scores don't reflect who you are. They are, but, but they're, I don't want to call them a necessary evil. I guess that's debatable. That's a whole mm-hmm. other topic, like you said, for another day. But they are what they are. They are part of the pathway to mm-hmm. college. And then, you know, we have our big standardized test in our profession, which is the RD exam or mm-hmm. the DR exam, which is a pathway to, to becoming a credentialed professional. And what I really appreciated about you being transparent about that and what I appreciate about students who reach out to us, the young lady who reached out to us the other day, four times before she passed the RD exam, four times. Mm-hmm. And she finally passed it. And I appreciate that because that's, I always tell students, you just have to just pass it once and nobody can take it away from you after that. That's it, like that one time. So what you're saying about, you know, taking the failure as a learning experience, you know, sometimes you got to stay down and, and, and kind of lick your wounds, but you got to get it back up and see what can I learn from this. There's always something you can learn you know, pull upon your people who your support systems and, and try again, because it just, oftentimes those obstacles, you learn so much from them. And once you get over it, that's it. You won't experience that same one again. Um, and so I, I mentioned that specifically about that. So if you guys um, go and follow Matt on his, his IG, just because and kind of explore what he said there, because that was something that definitely stood out to me, because I know that's something that it just basically affects a lot more students of color in this pathway um, for us um, because we do have a couple standardized tests there. What other advice would you give to people of, of color who are interested in pursue, pursuing a career in dietetics or maybe even a career just in a, a science heavy pathway or like what you have done, decide to go off and get higher education to, to, to work on your, your, their doctorate? I would say continue to work on your weaknesses for one. Um, see what you need to, you know, improve on or, or what it is that, you know, just always reach out to other individuals that's in the shoes that you want to be in. Um, we have to learn how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, yes, we are a minority as far as in this field. Um, and that's, I, I feel like it's probably not going to change anytime soon as far as us being the majority. But at the end of the day, um, there are people and there are individuals that, you know, that are successful and that are 
that are continuing to work on where they want to be at um, that can reflect on how you want to uh, transpire, how you want to be in the field as well, too. So if, if you're, you know, uncomfortable with certain things such as the science or such as the chemistry, biochemistry and all that stuff, just do whatever you need, whatever you need to do to work on that and improve on it and also um, work with the instructor and also work with individuals that have already passed the already exam or that have that are instructors in that you know field that's not even instructors working with currently um but just always communicating and always reaching out to other individuals that's in the shoe that you're in so that way you can see okay what they have done um what do they um recommend as far as resources and everything to help you be successful in there as well as also um just knowing that you know even though you are a minority in order for the majority for the people that are in this field that don't look at that don't look like us it takes for us also to you know be comfortable with being not only in the present but also being completely honest about certain situations and then not also having to consistently you know quote unquote uh, cold switch <laughs> just always remaining true to yourself <laughs> and, and true to who you are so that way they understand and they know you know where you're coming from and who you are as an individual and then that will help them much better than you trying to change who you are you know and not straight not staying true to, to yourself in order to fit in and and in order to go in the same route that they have went um I, it's it's so for me, for instance, you know, I, I take pride in coming and, and knowing where I come from, coming from the south end of Columbus, uh, of Ohio, and also coming from as far as, you know, the obstacles and adversities I had to go through. I take pride in that um, because it shows me um, that I'm, I'm not going to quit. There's nothing that anyone can say or do that's going to, you know, keep me, prevent me from being somewhere that I want to be at and get to my goals I want to be at. And there's also people in this field that you just have to reach out to because they, they do want to see you succeed. Um, but it just takes us, you know, unfortunately it takes us to step outside and, you know, to let them know, okay, yeah, okay. This, this individual don't just want to be here because they want to take advantage of them being a minority. They want to be here because, you know, they, they need to respect that individual and what they're capable of. So, um, and, and that's, and that's sometimes, you know, how I see it as is that you have to, just be the one to take some initiative um, to make sure that you obtain the goals that you want to obtain and get to where you want to be at. Very true. Um, just ask. I always tell people the worst thing people could tell you is no. But Exactly. Exactly. I have so many no's more than yeses, <laughs> especially with that 15 ACT score that I had. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That, that, that'll do it. Yeah. But see, but still you are where you are right now, which is so much why I wanted to have you on. I, yet again, Matt, you have inspired me again. All good stuff, Matt Frakes. Thank you so much for telling us a bit about your stories, your struggles that you've had, how you've overcome them. Thank you for being in our profession. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad to be in it. I'm glad to see the direction it's going towards. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing to see the direction it's going towards, to be told. Um, just not only in sports nutrition, but in dietetics in general, because I, I, I definitely remember when I was the only, only black male in my program. 
And not only was I the only, <laughs> yes, I was no. the only <laughs> black male in my program. Yes, my 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 skin tone is lighter, but at the same time, <laughs> when you hear me talk, <laughs> yes. it, no. it, it, there's also some bass and some <laughs> there's a, there's also some bass in there too. So it's <laughs> yes. so it's, it's, you know, I'm, I'm a very respectable individual as far as showing respect to others that is in the room. Um, and then also just ensuring that I want everyone else to know too, that uh, not only do I deserve to be in this room here, but we all can grow from each other. There's not only just in the field and different diverse, you know, aspects of the field that we can all grow and learn from each other from, but also personally too. So you have to step outside your shell to be personal with other individuals because then that's when you can be empathetic of where they come from and they can be empathetic of where you come from. But it just takes us to have those uncomfortable conversations at the end of, end of the day in order for those to eventually become comfortable. Well, thank you so much uh, for being on. We are going to have a link to every which way that you can reach Matt. Um, through his website and also his work that he's doing and also his Ardian Spotlight that we have on our website that we did um, of him and some more information about his story there. Thank you so much, Matt, for being on. Absolutely. No, no, I thank you for, you know, allowing me to come on and everything and have an opportunity to do this. So um, I, I'm very proud of seeing what you guys are doing over there uh, with the organization um, as well and then also bringing everyone together in the field. So it's just... It's just wonderful and beautiful to see how everything is kind of going about. So thank you for all your hard work and just thank you for reaching out and allowing me to do this too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and comments that helps more people to find our podcast, which is really what we want to do. Another reminder that if you're going to Fincy or even if you just live around the Philly area and you'd like to join us for our second annual DD Meetup fundraiser, it's occurring or it's happening actually on the evening of October the 26th in Philadelphia. So go onto our website to click on the link. I mentioned Ardian Spotlights on this podcast. So if you'd like to nominate yourself or you have somebody who you would like to nominate as our Ardian Spotlight, shoot us an email or DM us. Where you can find us at is on Instagram and on Facebook at Diversified Dietetics. We're easy to find. Of course, our website is diversifieddietetics.org. And thank you so much for joining us today. Talk to you again soon. Bye.